Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, everybody. Yeah. Well, um, for those of you who don't know who I am, I am Doug, and I'm part of the preaching team here. And I just wanted to welcome you back to winter. (laughs) What is up with that? It's ridiculous. I'm actually, for the first time in my life, I'm worried about my plants in my yard. I I never care about plants, and now I'm like, they started budding already. They're going to freeze, and they'll be dead. Maybe that's just a sign of getting old. Maybe that's not got nothing to do with winter. But, well, we're in between right now. We just finished up a a series on the Lord's Prayer. And it was a wonderful series. I don't know what we did, eight weeks or something like that on the Lord's Prayer. And we're getting ready to go into a short series leading into Easter. And so we have this one weekend in between. And Tim said, I know, I got an idea. I'll let you guys handle it. So I won't have to deal No. We knew we had this coming up. And so um, Brian and I, we got together and the whole pit crew got together and we came up with this, you know, why church? And in some senses, it's almost how and what as well. It's not just a why. And we're going to talk about a scripture out of 1 Timothy today, uh, 1 Timothy 3.15. Uh, But first, I want to share a little story with you about a little fella named Jeffy. And some of you have heard Jeffy before, and I'll actually give you a little update on Jeffy. But Jeffy was four, almost five, but he's a big kid. He looked like he's six. Well, Jeffy and his little sister, Emma, lived across the street, kind of catty corner from us. And... There's two, there's two other kids that live right across the street from us, and my kids and those kids play all the time. Well, we never really played with Jeffy and Emma because they were just slightly younger, and they were just sort of removed. And so one day we decided, hey, let's invite uh, my wife. said, so why don't you kids go invite Jeffy and Emma to come play because they'd just kind of be playing by themselves over there. And they did, and their mom said, yeah, that would be great. I appreciate that. And she was taking care of her mother who had had a stroke, and she'd had to stop working. And so she couldn't afford to send Jeffy to like a a daycare or anything like that where he would get some interaction with some some other kids. He was just there all all day long, didn't go to school yet. So he was just there all day long playing by himself or with his sister or whatever. And so they came over and they they played. And and I happened to be, I I just don't know how, I was watching the kids. Um, And so I'm sitting in, in the sliding glass door working on some emails and stuff and watching all the kids in our backyard. And two of the kids come up and they go, Jeffy kicked the ball over the fence. And I'm like, oh, 
okay, calm down, we'll get it. And so I send Hayes out to go get it. He's the oldest one, and we have a pond right behind there, and there's a fence. And so I send him out to go get it. And I said, Jeffy, okay, here, bud, let's try to keep the ball in the, you know, in the yard. And I go back in, and I'm emails, and I'm thinking that's good. And then, like, a couple minutes later, he comes, Jeffy, kick the ball over the fence again! And I was like, okay, we'll take care of this. Um, Hayes, go get the ball, get the ball, give it back to Jeffy. Jeffy, hey, um... Let's keep the ball on the fence because if the ball goes over the fence and into the pond, then there'll be no more ball. We won't be able to play with the ball. And he kind of looks at me and goes, okay. You know, he's not used to other adults talking to him. This is all new to him. He just has no clue. And so we're all good. A few minutes later, I'm in there doing some emails. And like four kids descend on the door. And they're like, Jeffy hit Gracie in the face with the ball. I was like, ooh, okay. So Gracie... Out of the, she's from across the street, and out of our four kids, Gracie is the youngest. She's just a little bit younger than my daughter, Evie. And just so you can get an idea here, Gracie's like, she's like, I don't know, 25 pounds soaking wet at this time. She's fiery red hair, and she's tough as nails. Like, out of the four kids, she's the youngest. She was the first one to ride a bike without training wheels. So that's Gracie. So I go out there, and I'm, you know, getting, thinking I'm going to go handle this, and Gracie's crying, and I'm like, ooh. He must have really hit her in the ball. They hit her hard with the ball. And so I just like, hmm, what do I do? So I go pick Gracie up, and I'm just like, you know, every little kid just needs to be comforted. So, and then I'm like, oh, Lord, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? And just about that time as I'm praying, an angel comes into the yard and begins to speak with the kids. And my wife, Keshari, it's my wife, <laughs> she, she always knows what to say to the kids. And so she goes and she talks to Jeffy, and, and, and then she calls Gracie over, and she says, okay, okay, Jeffy, what, um, what do you want to say to Gracie? I'm sorry. She said, good, good. Now what do you want to say? Will you forgive me for hitting you with the ball? And Gracie's still sort of tearing. She says, Yes, yes. And, and it's this wonderful time, and it's like everybody's getting settled. And so the other kids even got settled by the fact that this happened, that they were. And it's, so it's about to get dark, and everybody's about to go home. And, and Jeffy's dad's on his way across the street to come get them. And, and so they take off, and then, and then Sarah says, hey, why don't you guys go invite um, Jeffy and Emma to come back and play some other time? And they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, a minute ago, he was the worst thing in the world. Now he's, he's amazing. And, and, hey, you guys want to come back and play? Yes, we'd love to come back and play. And so Jeffy had just gone through this process. He just learned what it's like to conduct himself in a civil manner in the playground playing with other kids. He's learned what that's like. And he even addressed it through a repentance and he turned and he changed. And you'll be happy to know, this was a couple years ago. Um, sadly, his grandmother passed away, but it allowed his mom to go back to work. And they decided to buy a house. But they loved the neighborhood, so they bought a house in the neighborhood. And they're a couple blocks over. And just this past week, Jeffy and Emma were over at the house, playing with all the kids, and everything was wonderful. And Jeffy understood what it was like to be part of the group and, and conduct himself in that group. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what does that mean to conduct yourself in the household, in the family here. And so we're going to read our, our, our scripture here, and then we're going to pray, and we'll, we'll get started. So 1 Timothy 3.15, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation 
of the truth. Father, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for that you are building us into a firm foundation. I thank you for your grace, Lord, that you have brought us into relationship with you, that you have, you have brought us into eternal life with you. Father, I pray this morning that our hearts be softened, that we be receptive and ready to hear what it is you want to communicate to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the letter written to Timothy is addressing a setting in which the Greek culture is the prominent culture. It's a church in Ephesus. And Paul has written this letter to Timothy um, because he's away. I think he might actually be in jail at this time. But um, he's writing this letter to Timothy, who's this young man leading this church and trying to figure out what to do. And so the, the dominant Greek culture, you know, they were pagan culture. And they had multiple gods and, and they would worship in these different temples. And some of it was pretty, pretty horrific. They had temple prostitutes and all kinds of things that we just think are just crazy going on. But that was like normal life. At the same time, they had these uh, Jewish believers coming in, teaching all kinds of weird things about the law that weren't even correct. They were, um, they were trying to tell people that they weren't allowed to marry. And they were trying to tell people that they couldn't eat certain foods, even though they had been established that now it was good, that now it had been opened up to them. And so this is what, this is what Tim, Timothy was dealing with. And so if we want, let's... It would be like this. If we pretend for just a minute, we're here at Seacoast and all of a sudden we hear that there's like small group leaders teaching like weird old wives tales in the small groups and, and conspiracy theories. And, and then other people were going around telling people that you can't marry and you can't eat the foods. And at the same time, there's this whole other group of people that's, that's their ministry they, that they've decided is to, hey, we hit, what we do is we hit the bars and we look for one night stands. So we have that opportunity. We can tell people about Jesus. Sounds weird, doesn't it? it sounds crazy. It sounds out there. But, you know, as long as you tell them about Jesus before you take that walk of shame, and then it's all good. And that's just insane sounding. But it'd be kind of like, that's the kind of issues we would all of a sudden have to deal with. And so, what if Tim was gone? Tim was gone on a missions trip, and we get this letter from Tim saying, it's going to be a while maybe before I get back. But, um, hey, Doug... I'm going to leave this with you. I'm going to be away on this trip. And um, I'm leaving you to take care of these things. But don't worry. Here's a letter. This will help. Everything's going to be okay. I believe in you. You can do it. But <laughs> the first thing Doug's going to do is he's going to recruit all of you to help me out. And so we're going to get this thing straight. And let's, so we're going to start with a foundation. So when, when we get challenged with these other crazy ideas and people actually have weirdly seeming good arguments about them, that we don't get tripped up, that we know what's going on and where we're going. And so if we look at that scripture right off the bat, it says, if I'm delayed. So there's the big if, right? So we can't just hold down the fort for a month or so until Tim gets back and let him straighten it out. So it's going to be up to us. We got to do this balls in our court, Right. And so we see right away that he has told us to, con uh, to teach people how they ought to conduct themselves. You will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household is what it says up here. And so you know as well as I know 
is as soon as you start auding on people that people don't like it. I mean, I don't like it. You start saying, yeah, you know, here's what you really ought to do. You know, the first reaction is, uh, no, what you ought to do is be quiet. <laughs> I don't think you ought to be talking to me right now, right? <laughs> I mean, in Shiloh Place, we have the, the, uh, the, the saying, don't shit on me. But like, especially today's culture, right? It's like, um, you know, don't tell me how to live my life. YOLO, baby. You only live once, and I'm going to live the way I want to. Right? I mean, that's kind of the society we live in nowadays. It's kind of, it's kind of like this little girl right here. Check out this little girl. Let's see what you think about her. <laughs> Talk to hand. Don't tell me. I'm enjoying myself right now. Don't tell me I'm fine just the way I am. My little bit of sin on the side ain't hurting anybody. It tastes good. We all do this a little bit, right? Just a little bit. But the problem is, is we're not nearly as cute as that little girl is. And so when we do it, it's not cute. And when she's a little bit older, like say they shoot a video of her at 10 and she's still doing the same thing, she's not cute anymore. You're appalled. She's a brat. Like, like if she's still doing that and then shoot that video, she'll go viral again, but it'll be one of those, this is what happens when you don't spank your kids videos. It'd be a whole different ball game, right? So she's going to have to learn how to conduct herself a little bit better, maybe. So there is some ought to's in the Bible. So that we are not dealing with a whole household of just overgrown brats that want to act the way they want in the household of God. I mean, look at in our homes, right? We raise our kids so that when they're 13, they don't act like they did when they were three. We try anyway. Of course, at about that age, we might see them reverting and we're thinking, what happened? You were growing into something and then you became a teenager. But... So Jesus led us, though, right, with grace. And I, I mean, I love grace. I mean, my, my main thing is teaching about the Father's love and how great and extravagant it is for all of us. I love grace. And Jesus leads with grace. Jesus, when the, the woman was caught in adultery, he told the guys, you who without sin cast the first stone. These guys had stones in the air. They're ready to stone her for being in adultery. You without saying cast the first stone. And the, starting with the older, <laughs> the older men, because they knew, they knew. The older men, the younger men hang, hang on for a little while, and they're dropping stones, and they're walking away. And then he turns to her, and he says, now go and sin no more. He led this thing with grace, but he follows it up with some truth. So that we can grow, Right? See, earlier in Timothy, in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says this about himself. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So Paul himself came from this man that did not conduct himself well to being able to 
teach. He was a receiver of the grace, and now he's a sharer of the truth. And that is kind of our path, right? And so in this book, here's a few things that we see mentioned that Paul mentions to Timothy um, about our conduct. And right at the, in the beginning of, of chapter 2, he starts off, he says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives and godliness and holiness. And I don't, if you're on Facebook lately, I, we've seen this a lot over the past year. We need to pray for those in leadership. Pray for, I don't know why we didn't see it a few years ago, but we see it an awful lot right now um, from people in the church sharing it. But that's one of the things we should do, right? That's the way we should conduct. We should offer petitions for all people and for people in authority. It's a little stickier. We talk about, there's some things about how women should conduct themselves. This one might need a little bit of context. Because if I just, if you just went home, you said, well, man, I'm going to read how we're supposed to conduct ourselves from Timothy. I'm going to read this. And you read some of these things, you might go, I mean, men might, might not care, but the women go, I don't know about that. I think this guy, Paul, has lost his mind. That's not going to happen. Well, this one, those do need a little context. I'm going to let you know it right up front. And if you would like, Brian or Tim would be more than happy to tell you all about that. <laughs> Actually, it'd be a great thing to discuss in small group because there's so many truths in here and then some of those seem so tough. But if we understand the context of what was going on, we'll understand what exactly Paul was getting at. Um, and then we find qualifications for anyone that might want to be an overseer. Now, this is where I see culture clash, ours with theirs, because these qualifications were for those people that were coming out of that strange background, that strange setting that I was telling you about. And so these are the things they wanted to see before they became a leader in a church. However, we start with a different baseline. We have a different understanding of civility. And so I think it's reasonable, in my opinion, to ask that all believers aspire to live this way and to do these things. Now, here's a couple of those things. The overseer is to be faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of respect. He also described how to, that caring for widows, how to uh, care for the defenseless, the powerless, how to walk in humility, being unselfish, walking in forgiveness, being joyful and being gentle. And after this list, in our foundation verse, Paul mentions that people ought to conduct themselves. And this is our first fill in. Who conducts you? You conduct yourself. Paul didn't say these things will happen to these people as a supernatural miracle. He said they would conduct themselves. And this is our part and our portion. This is what we share in. See, sometimes there, there, I see this idea in the church. Uh, we do a lot of different things, go a lot of different places. And I see this idea in the church that, um, that God has to change me. 
I keep praying for God to change me. I was born this way. I've always been this way. It's gonna, God's just going to have to change me. And you say, well, well, what are you doing about changing? And they're like, well, I'm praying about God changing me. But Paul, Paul says just after he said this in, in 1 Timothy 4, he says this. He says, rather train yourself to be godly. For physical training is, some, is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Train yourself to be godly. The Apostle Paul says this. And so why is this important? I mean, it says in there, if we train ourselves in godliness, it is beneficial for us. It holds promise for this life and for the life to come. And see, as believers, we know something. What is it we know? Key is in the life to come part. We know the truth. We know the good news. This leads to our second fill-in. Why is it important? As believers, it is important for us to conduct ourselves because we uphold the truth. So how do we uphold the truth? You see, some of us came in to this whole thing, just our lives falling apart. I mean, maybe, maybe our business was falling apart. Maybe we had addiction. Maybe it was our marriage falling apart. Maybe we were into high school or college and just went off the rails completely partying and making terrible decisions. And that's how we came in with grace. We ran face to face with the truth. We came face to face with Jesus and he brought us through this thing with grace. We had this experience and we began to change right from the start when we encountered the good news of Jesus. And so now we've come to this place as believers where we uphold that truth and we do this together as an entire church we hold up this truth that Jesus came for us. He was sacrificed on the cross. He died and he rose again Amen. to give everlasting life and offer change for the entire world. And like it or not, people are looking at us. You see, if, if we don't have the ability to be respectful to others, if we don't have the ability to manage our relationships in a way that's worthy of respect, whether it's with your children or with your roommate, if we don't have the ability to treat others with kindness, what does that say about our lives? Yeah, people say, oh, it's just a phase. They were in some severe crisis. Boom, they got help, but it wasn't anything real. It was just a temporary thing. See, in the very next verse, in, in, uh, after our foundation verse, in verse 16, he says, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in glory, on the world, and was taken up in glory. Like it or not, when we have that experience and we walk out into the world and we tell people that we've had that experience, the eyes are on us. When you're out in the community and you say you go to Seacoast Vineyard Church, the eyes are on you. They're watching. 
even more so. I mean, we have city officials that attend church here. We do the All Nations Cafe, where every summer, thousands of these foreign students, these J-1 students, ascend on this place. And there's lots, of, there's lots of talk and lots of things going on. And so people know this place when you say you go to church here. And I hope that didn't make you say, well, I, I don't really like that responsibility, so I'm just going to go to church somewhere else. I mean, really, I, I hope it doesn't because, look, I hope you pick this thing up. I hope we all pick this thing up together. Like, so what if we did that? What if we all said, hey, we're going to pick this thing up. And you know what? In light of these things that Paul said, I'm going to reexamine myself. See, change is like the layers of an onion. And our walk can be like the layers of an onion. My, my uh, friend Danny Silk has this saying. He talks about how his wife grew up. Says she was raised by wolves. See, some of us may have been raised by wolves. Horrible situations. And see, we may have gotten saved. And we may have been a, a horrible person. We may have been abusive to, to wife, kids, whatever people around us. We may have gotten saved and had the realization that we can no longer do that. And that was good. And then maybe the Lord said, you know what? You need to go to those people and ask for forgiveness. They need to hear that from you. They need to hear you recognize your sins against them and ask for forgiveness. And you say, okay, I can do that. And so you go and do that. And then you experience a little bit more life. And then the Lord says, you know what? If you're going to manage your family in a way that is really worthy, I think you need to start taking time with them to understand their heart. And somebody that grew up like that might go, emotions? I can't do that. That's not my thing. I spent my whole life hiding from them. And then God says, well, find somebody that does. And you're like, small group. A small group leader. They can help me out. They seem to manage their family well. And even if they don't really have the tools, then they can point me in the right direction. And so then you connect with your family on this new emotional level. And all of a sudden you have your kid's heart. And you're connected because you've been committed to change and peeling off the layers of the onion and paying attention to the ought to's as God or somebody in your life addresses them. You know, and I'm not just talking about family. It could be your friends, could be your roommates, whatever those situations are where you might have made messes. See, there's new layers of change for us all the time. He's always calling us up and calling us up and calling us up. It's not like you just check off the boxes one time and you're good to go. You see, maybe, maybe I'm not doing these things the way Paul says. It's better than it used to be, but there's a new level for me. He's calling me to this new place. He's calling all of us. He's calling Seacoast Vineyard to a new place. So if we took up the challenge to conduct ourselves, to train ourselves to grow in godliness, as a church family, as a household of God, just think. This is our last fill-in. What if we allowed our household, our God, to keep us accountable for growing? What if we did this together?
If we did this together, then Jesus, Jesus would be glorified. Jesus would be magnified. He'd be recognized in the city. He'd be held in higher regard by everybody that we met. He would have more influence in our day-to-day lives. And that would flow out of everybody here. You see, I, I, I'm not all that evangelistic, but I'm, at the same time, I'm, all, I'm not very much about, hey, we need to go evangelize. We need to go evangelize. You need to go this. I'm not really driven that way. But what I find is if we're driven to him and we're allowing him to change us, to peel the layers of the onion, then evangelism happens naturally. Our hearts get soft and we see the hurting, hurting people around us. We see the addicted in our city. We see the homeless in our city. And we find ourselves just leaking out onto them. Just the love of God flowing out. What if we did this together? How powerful can this be if we do this together and allow ourselves to be held accountable by one another? There's no telling. There's no telling. So I want to do something here. I'd just like everybody to stand up for a second. And just... And close our eyes. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead us. In. I'm going I'm to pray for you in just a second. But I want you to ask God. You know, we don't need to see the list. We got a pretty good idea of what's in the list. And just say, God, what do I need to change? And understand, this is not about some, what, you know, society sees as some terrible, awful sin, necessarily. This is growth. This is about growth. This could be somebody looking at that going, really? That's all you need to change? That's what you need to change. And so I'm going to pray real quick, and I want you to keep listening to the Lord. And then if he tells you something, if he points something out, what I would like for you to do is to raise your hand. And I'm going to pray. Father, we are here today. And we're submitting ourselves to you. And we're saying, change us. We're choosing to enter this process with you, to conduct ourselves, to train ourselves in godliness. And Holy Spirit, we need your help in that. We need you to show us our blind spots. We need you to show us the places where we can change and we can take responsibility for change in those areas. Now, still with your eyes closed, if he's telling you something, if he's pointing something out, let's just go ahead and raise your hand. Thank you for just acknowledging that. That's a step in the right direction. 
Now, maybe you're in here and you're like, that grace thing that you talked about, about entering in, I've never gone through that. I've never taken the step toward Jesus. I've never allowed myself to be submitted to Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. So I, don't, I really don't know what this is. That was a bunch of inside talk for me. But maybe you want to experience the truth face to face. Maybe you want to experience the grace and the love that God has for you. If that's you, would you raise your hand? So, Father, we choose to submit ourselves. We receive you, Jesus, as our Lord, as our Savior. And I would encourage you, there's going to be some prayer team up here in a little while. We're going to go into a little bit of worship. We're going to allow God to search our hearts even a little deeper. And I would encourage you, as the prayer team is up here, to come up and get prayer. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts. 